You're listening to episode 18 of the Thriving Mom podcast, and today we're talking about reasons why you may be struggling with eating. Stick around. Welcome to the Thriving Mom podcast, where we invite mothers and mothers at heart to think outside the conventional beliefs about motherhood, nutrition, and raising healthy kids. I'm your host, Uime Oguta, recovering perfectionist and non-diet nutrition counselor, on a mission to help smart women like you find food and body freedom through intuitive eating, self-care, and mindful practices that will leave you kicking balance to the curb, stop surviving, and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Hello, friends. How are you doing today? Today, we're talking about why you struggle with food. Do you know why? The struggle with food is a big problem. It's a big problem for women in general, and it's even a bigger problem for us as moms. So I thought I would come on the podcast and talk about a few reasons why you may be struggling. Perhaps you'll find yourself in one or a few of these reasons. If they resonate with you, I'm going to provide some things or some ways that you might think about them differently so that you can move past your struggle and actually start to eat and take care of yourself and heal your relationship with food. Are you ready? Let's do this. So before we get into the podcast, I just want to say that we live in a diet culture. And diet culture is a system of beliefs that tries to dictate what it means to look healthy, to eat healthy. And I believe Christy Harrison has the perfect definition of what diet culture means. I will put a link to this episode that goes directly to her page that talks all about diet culture if you're interested in that. So with that being said, I just want to put that out there that we all are impacted by diet culture in one way or another. Doesn't matter if you've healed your relationship with food or if you think you're still struggling with food and your body, we're all impacted by it. But I'm hoping that this episode will help you to be able to pay attention to how you may be impacted and how you can do things differently so that you can support yourself. We're just going to dive right in. Number one reason is that you have a fixed mindset. What does that look like? For so many of us, we have this idea that I don't eat this because it's unhealthy. Or we think I'm addicted to this. So it might be carbs. It might be sugar. We're always dwelling in absolutes. There's never any in between. And when you have a fixed mindset when it comes to eating, it often requires you to have willpower and control and rules. So when you set yourself up and say, I should, or I have to eat this, or I have to eat that way, it sets this stage for a rule. And what happens when you break a rule? There's a consequence. So for so many of us, that usually looks like shame or guilt or blame. And then we feel bad. Then of course, we can't deal with the negative emotions. So we decide we're just going to comfort ourselves. Most of us, that comfort usually comes through as emotional eating. So rather than thinking I should eat this or I have to eat this or I'm addicted to this, why not think about saying I get to eat this or I choose to eat this. 
So then that makes it more easy or easier for your brain to realize that this is a choice that I'm making. I'm making an empowered choice. I'm not a victim here. I'm not trying to blame anybody here. And I 100% own my decision to eat this way. Pretty simple, right? Number two, you seek control. So I'm just going to go ahead here and say that mom life is very busy. Women in general, our lives are already crazy as it is. But for moms, it's like there's another level of craziness and busyness. So then when things are just chaotic around us, we seek to control something. And in that attempt to control something, we usually turn to food to help us numb those negative emotions that we can't really deal with. Or we go to other addictive behaviors. So that could look different for different people. It could be shopping, it could be drinking, it could be binge watching shows or mindlessly scrolling on social media. And then another thing where we feel like we're out of control or we're seeking control is when it comes to the food itself. For some people, they might say, I feel totally out of control when it comes to this food or that food. And usually this stems from a place where we're restricting a food. So if you're restricting a food, chances are you're going to always have that anxiety or low hum, you know, whenever you're around that food because your body starts to vibrate. Your body sees that as danger, as something you need to escape from. So rather than trying to seek control, how about just paying attention and trying to see how you can support yourself? So if things are chaotic, how can I calm things down? What's the one thing that I can do to help me feel supported in this moment? I know that sounds like a lot for some of us. So I really want you to ask yourself this. Why am I feeling out of control? What are the feelings that are coming up for me? Am I bored? Am I anxious? Am I disappointed? Am I feeling worried? When you start to tune into those emotions, then you can figure out, oh, perhaps... I'm worried because there's a looming deadline that needs my attention. And once you realize that, then you can actually pay attention to, okay, what can I do to help me get closer to being done with this project that I have so that this deadline doesn't seem that scary? And then when it comes to feeling out of control around certain foods, you could think about it this way. Have I actually been allowing myself to eat this food? And maybe you have. Perhaps it's not that you're not allowing yourself. Perhaps it's because you haven't eaten all day. So you can try saying, well, I didn't eat enough today. So it makes sense that I'm feeling very hungry right now. I'm not out of control. And then that serves as a good reminder so that you have something during the day or make sure that you're eating more filling foods so that you don't feel out of control when it comes to those foods. I hope this is making sense for you. The next one is tied into feeling out of control. It's this idea that I have no willpower. Diet culture tells us that you need willpower and control over your appetite. And it tells us that we're responsible for how our bodies turn out. But if you and I are being very truthful, we know it's not helping. Because the more we try to control our bodies with restriction, either through exercise or eating, the more likely we are to overeat. And I'm saying overeat here in a sense of we're trying to compensate. So we eat more than we usually do. Is that even right? I don't know. But I'm just going to go ahead and use it here. We eat more than we usually do. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
That's how our bodies are made. Our bodies are always supporting us. Our bodies are always helping us. So if your body feels deficit with nutrients, with energy, it'll want to eat more to make up for what's missing. Obviously, we eat for reasons other than hunger. In episode 16, where I had Stephanie Dogier on the podcast, she talks about emotional eating, which often occurs in the absence of hunger. But physical hunger and wanting to eat is normal. So if you're concerned about your eating behavior, get curious about what triggers your eating pattern and think about what actions you could actually take that would help you without needing power or control. So for this statement, I would usually encourage my clients to try thinking about how they're taking care of their needs. So you might say something like, I know I eat well when I'm mindful and taking care of my needs responsibly. So then what are you going to do about it? You're going to go about eating well, paying attention when you eat, and then being mindful of what your body needs so that you can respond. That could look like maybe getting better sleep, perhaps just taking time or moments in your day to rest, take some things off of your plate so that you have room to breathe in your schedule. That's that one. And now we're going to go ahead and talk about good versus bad foods because we know what happens when we're told one food is better than the other. When you think about food as being good or bad, you're assigning morality to food. Food has no moral value. Food is just food. Food is neutral. It has no moral attachment to it. And I believe that all foods have a place in your diet. So when you assign foods as good or bad, what happens is you automatically attach your self-worth to what you eat. So if you eat good food, good here in quotes, you feel, oh, you know what? I was good this week. And if you ate bad food, again, bad in quotes, you feel, I was bad this week. What if instead of doing that, you try focusing on knowing that all foods have a place in your diet and then you focus on eating foods that make you feel your best? When you feel bad or shameful about your food, it just makes you want to restrict more. And that's not what you want. That's not what we were trying to get when we're trying to heal our relationship with food. So again, go back to understanding that there are no good or bad foods. A food might be good for you based on, oh, it makes me energized. So rather than saying this food is good for me, you can say this food makes me feel energized or whatever way the food makes you feel. Same way with foods that you might consider bad. So for me, I have lactose intolerance, but I don't say milk is bad for me. I just say I can't have milk or I eat less dairy because I have lactose intolerance. It's not that I hate the food because it's bad for me. It's more that my body cannot handle that much milk or dairy. So I hope this makes sense. Just making sure that we're clarifying that if you cannot eat a food for medical reasons, then you could say, I cannot have this food because of blah, 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 right? And then that gives your brain the room to think, okay, that's fine. It's not dangerous in the sense that I want to protect her. It's more she needs to be cautious around the food. And that takes away that pressure of wanting to feel fearful and anxious around that food. Another thought that we have is waiting to lose weight to feel happier. So I often would have women talk to me about, oh, if I could just lose maybe 10 pounds, I think I'd be much happier. 
But the truth is, being in a smaller body doesn't mean that you'll always be happy. What you're mostly looking for, and I've seen this over and over in my clients, is just being able to feel confident in their bodies. It's just being able to have better relationships. For some people, it's more energy. And for me, I know there was a time where I was like, I just want to be fit. But what does fit mean? For some people, you ask them, what does fit mean? And they'll say it means someone is thin. But for me, that was not what I meant. I just wanted to be able to chase my kids in the park and not feel like I ran up a mountain. So I had to reframe my my speech. I had to reframe the way I thought about it and said, you know what? I want to have more energy. And if I want to have more energy, what could I do? How could I eat better? How could I sleep better? How could I take care of myself better? The thing with wanting to wait till you lose weight is that you don't know if when you get to that weight, things will change because it's never about the weight. But I also understand if you're struggling because that's the society that we live in. That's what society tells us. That if you just move a certain way or if you eat a certain way, then surely your body's going to be this way and then you'll feel happier. But then why do we have so many thin people walking around and hating on themselves? Rather than focusing on waiting to lose weight so you can be happier, you can start now to appreciate your body and all the things that your body does for you. And when you start appreciating your body and respecting your body, you then start to focus on the habits that will make you feel good and take care of yourself. And that's when things start to change. You find that you start to feel more confident. You'll find that you'll have more energy. You'll find that your relationships start to get better because you then know what's important to you and you can put those boundaries in place and teach people how to treat you. And then you get happier. The last thing I wanted to talk about is just the bad body days. Because I know this is a thing and there are days when we just don't feel that great. Does anybody out there understand? PMS is a big issue for a lot of women. The premenstrual syndrome or symptoms that we have, which for me, I never really understood until I had my third child. It was like, whoa, what's going on here? It's like there are two to three weeks in a month where I feel just don't want to go close to anybody. Nobody talk to me. I just want to hide in here. I just want to hide under my blankets. Everyone gets those days. There are days when your body just doesn't feel great and that's okay. It's a normal part of life. But what a lot of us tend to do is we start to speak in a shameful way towards ourselves. We say, I look horrible or I look ugly. And when you say things like that, they steam more negative emotions, which don't help you in any way. So what I would offer you would be when you're feeling those days, you can say, my body is just not feeling great today. And that's fine. It's a neutral way to talk about yourself. But then also remember that there are millions of other women who share the same experience. Might be different variations, but most women who experience bad body days are probably struggling just like you are. So use neutral language when it comes to those days. And remember to appreciate your body for still taking care of you. And you know it's not always going to be all the time, but I want you to remember that body shaming doesn't help. 
So something you could say instead could be, I don't feel my best when I'm wearing this type of cloth or whatever. Or I don't feel my best on the days when I just don't feel great. And that's okay. You're acknowledging what's going on, but you're not blaming yourself. You're not shaming yourself. It's just, this is what's happening. This is how I'm feeling. And we move on. And that's it, my friends. I just wanted to jump on here and share some reasons why you may be struggling with food. Because when you think about all these things, at the end of the day, they impact how we feel. And always, 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 our emotions drive a lot of our actions. So when you're not feeling great and you're feeling kind of blah about everything, right? Can we use blah as a feeling? Because I just did. There's no other way to explain it. When you're just feeling a little blah about things, the first thing you want to do is get comfort. You seek comfort and usually that comes from wanting to eat. So if this is something that you're struggling with, if you can identify yourself in any of those scenarios that I talked about, I hope that this episode has been helpful for you because I really want you to think about what you're thinking. I really want you to think about your behavior and change how you talk to yourself and change how you treat yourself. Now, it's not going to be easy, but you can do it because you're a grown-up woman who is empowered and is able to do hard things. So this is me cheering you on and reminding you that you don't have to struggle with food. If you found this episode helpful, I would encourage you to download it. Please leave us a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. So I want to hear from you. If this is something that you struggle with, what's one thing that you can do today to change things and start to help you so you struggle less with food? Come on over on Instagram, I'm at Olive and Bliss Wellness, and share with me. And if this is something that you think you would love to dig more into, I would encourage you to check out my food freedom guide. It lays out the steps that I use with my clients that helps just setting that foundation for how you can heal your relationship with food. It takes you through some great journaling exercises that you can do that would help you dig into this work a little bit more. You can grab that at oliveandbliss.ca slash foodfreedom. All right, my friends, I hope this episode was helpful. I will talk to you on the next episode and I hope you have an awesome week ahead. And as always, keep thriving. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, you've got to check out my free food freedom guide because it gives you practical steps you can take to let go of dieting, stop obsessing about food, and eat in a way that you enjoy. Get your food freedom guide at oliveandbliss.ca slash foodfreedom. And if you'd like to learn more about me and how I can support you to make peace with food and your body, then head on over to oliveandbliss.ca. I'm always rooting for you, my friend. Until next time, keep thriving.